Hello and welcome back to the Vintage Podcast with me, Lena Norms. Today we have a very unusual and pretty special um, author in the studio. Uh, Samantha Harvey has set her book in the 15th century. Now, how often do you read books set in the 15th century in Somerset? Not very often. Um, And I was so fascinated to talk to Samantha after reading her really incredible book. She made this medieval um, alien world to me seem so tangible and real. It was just really immediate. I'm going to read to you a little bit of the blurb just because I think the blurb is so um, interesting and engaging and it will probably help uh, contextualise our conversation. Her book is called The Western Wind and the blurb goes like this. 15th century Oakham in Somerset, a tiny village cut off by a big river with no bridge. When a man is swept away by the river in the early hours of Shrove Saturday, an explanation has to be found. Accident? Suicide? Or murder? The village priest, John Reeve, is privy to many secrets in his role as confessor. But will he be able to unravel what happened to the victim, Thomas Newman, the wealthiest, most capable and industrious man in the village? And what will happen if he can't? Here to talk to us about this enthralling and really unusual read uh, is Samantha Harvey. Yeah. Sam, thank you so much for coming in to speak to us. You're welcome. We're really excited about the book. Um, tell me about where you chose to set this book, Occam. Is that how I say Occam. it? Occam. Occam. Yeah. I was like, Occam, because it kind of sounds like Occam's razor. Yeah. Um, what was the choice to set it then and also in the 15th century? Such an interesting kind of selection. Well, the place is um, invented, mm-hmm. so it's not... I could tell you where it is on a map, I could point to it, but it isn't there. So mm-hmm. I chose the place because I wanted it to be somewhere that was cut off but that were it not cut off by a river would be on a really good trade and pilgrim route because it's somewhere between Wells and Glastonbury in Mm. Somerset so I wanted it to be somewhere that could actually be prosperous but it isn't prosperous because it has a river and no bridge so that was the reason for its geographical setting Mm. as for the time I don't have a quick answer to that or a simple one. I arrived there by accident, really, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to write about confession more than I wanted to write an historical novel. In fact, I didn't have any designs on a a historical novel. It's not been something that I've ever thought Mm -hmm. about. But when I started to look into the ideas around writing about a novel about confession, so something that needed some kind of um, dramatic framework, I... I focused on Catholic confession and then that took me back to the Middle Ages. Not that we don't have Catholic confession now, but I wanted it to be at a time where everyone confessed, where it was just the norm to confess, where it wasn't some uh, sort of niche thing that a small section of the population did, but it's something that everybody had to do and all of the um, opportunities that come from that because everyone is having to make a confession whether they want to or not so that took me back to the middle ages and I I went back before the reformation so that I didn't have to um, get involved in then what happened to catholic confession after the reformation so I wanted to (laughs) crafty I know very crafty (laughs) how did you do your research for that time period so if it's something that you weren't uh, it wasn't your kind of thing before how did you kind of Put yourself in that mindset, and because because obviously there's this this element of conscience that I think um, modern day kind of settings have, but it's it's so much more steeped and and kind of um, infused in that time. How did you? I mean, it's obviously a, a research and, and historical kind of 
um, look at it, but it's also a really emotional time. How did you get into that space? I didn't know anything about <laughs> it, nothing. <laughs> it's the best place to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I thought, well, I can't even write the first sentence of this book. I don't know what the name of my protagonist would be. I don't know what the name of the place would be. I don't know what he would be wearing. I don't know what he would sit on. I've got no idea. I can't even write a sentence of this book. So I started with a child's, um, a sort of the, the medieval times for children, basically. Mm. A little picture book. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're growing your intellectual mind from infancy to adulthood. Yeah. That's a really good way to start, I think. I mean, I, because I didn't even know what I needed to know. Yeah. So I started like that really broadly and then I read... Um, broad books about medieval times that were written for adults <laughs> and then I started to become more and more focused as I discovered more about the time and what I wanted my book to be about and what the setting mm. was going to be um, and what the themes were going to be I got more and more focused in my research and looked at sort of quite by the end looking at really sort of niche um, obscure journal articles mm. and so it was it was mainly through reading and yeah. anything. I mean, the great thing about writing about the Middle Ages is there's so much written about it. There's so much research. And, and so it's not that difficult to research. It's just where do you stop? Yeah. <laughs> and you, for, for me and I suppose for novelists in general, you stop at a point of sort of expediency where you know enough to be able to fill in gaps mm. credibly and make good guesses so that when you come across something you don't know and you can't find out, you feel that you know just about enough to make it up yeah. and that you can make it up plausibly. Because I suppose for, for us, we, we always don't, ha we don't have um, a kind of historical overview of our own lives and our own times, really. So what, you, what you're looking to know is, is kind of what the characters know <laughs> yeah. about the world. I can yeah. imagine that's a kind of... Yeah. That's right. And, and yet that's an impossible thing to do, isn't it? Because yeah. I'm not living in the middle ages I do know what has happened since I do yeah. have a modern filter on the world I can't take that off yeah so that so historical fiction is a very interesting thing because it's always necessarily filtered through the present no matter how hard you try and how yeah. earnest you are and uh, I am earnest in my research and I w would never knowingly get something wrong yeah. but everything's wrong isn't it because I'm writing from the 21st century yeah, so. even fact is fiction in some ways, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, it's absolutely. all the, um, a perception of the past. Yeah. What do you think that um, that time period has to say to today? Because obviously it is a time period with a lot more kind of deity and, and responsibility and this idea of kind of collective guilt and collective truth. What do you, did you find it hard kind of switching between, you know, living your normal <laughs> life and then being in this... <laughs> Or is there too many similarities that um, I think we might there not are guess always, There are so many similarities mm. because we're, it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things mm. and we're all human and guilt hasn't gone away. We've mm -hmm. just more or less done away with a, a religious, a sort of routine religious method for excavating it, but we still have it. And you look at um, this proliferation of of therapy that we have now and also have mental health issues and mm -hmm. so on I'm not um, romanticising the middle ages I think it's a terrible time to be alive but there is something uh, quite cathartic I mean literally cathartic about about having 
the ability to confess your guilt and be done with it and yeah. unburden yourself of it mm. to somebody, not just somebody who's listening, but somebody has the authority to forgive you. Mm. And there's something that's quite potent about that that we don't really have anymore. You know, you're, you don't go to your therapist to be forgiven. You go to be listened to. But ultimately, we're all kind of looking to be forgiven. And we don't we don't have any any societal norm for that anymore I think mm. so it's quite interesting but I, but I don't think that the issues around that have have gone away and in fact the the, the church in its role then was really just one umbrella organization that's now split up between all sorts of different um, yeah. areas of life like education mm. and and religion and philosophy and health mm. insurance because God was your health insurance and prayer. <laughs> and, um, so there, there's not such a difference, I yeah. think. And then, of course, there are then there are millions of profound differences. But it's but ultimately, there's human experience mm. and and guilt and love and longing, fear, and all the things are just exactly the same. Yeah. Do you think um, the element of it being set in such a small place and kind of so? remotely cut off gives it um you know did it give you more scope as a as an author to kind of explore yeah the society of that village Mm -hmm. and nothing else really yeah quite interested in that element of it which we don't we don't have anymore where you can live in one place well maybe some people still do (laughs) you can live in one place pretty determined (laughs) yeah you do but it doesn't happen by accident no no I'm thinking of some sort of quite remote places say in Ireland that's still possible (laughs) (laughs) I always feel like that's the end of the world Um, (laughs) yeah there there must still be people who live this way but but generally of course we don't and we're we're inevitably connected whether we want to be or not now and so I liked looking at the the sort of topography of of an entire world as seen through the eyes of a bunch Mm. of villages in one place you have no idea what's going on in the world none I I think I don't suppose anyone well maybe three people in my parish would have been able to say who the king was at the time (laughs) which I think was probably quite normal most people had no concern with that Um, no real notion of what was going on beyond beyond their village certainly not beyond their nation Mm. just this sort of obscure nebulous idea of the rest of the world Mm. um it's quite fascinating to yeah. me. It's kind of like a very unconscious kind of context. They don't know they're in their own context and they can't right. they're not contextualizing themselves. It's, it's strange. Yeah. What did you enjoy most about the writing process? Was there was it was it all pain? No, it wasn't <laughs> it was, all pain. Oh no. good. Yeah. No, it was less pain than normal yeah. actually. Mm. I don't know if relaxing is the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Each book is is different. This mm-hmm. one was relatively uh, no, easy wouldn't be the word either, but there was a certain um, fluidity with writing it, mm. and I think that's that's because I think it's a, I think it's actually easier to write historical fiction. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell everyone that. I'll do it. <laughs> Edit that bit out. Um, <laughs> because yeah. of course you have this this um, the burden of research, but you have yeah. that with every novel in it, mm-hmm. to an extent. But you have, especially when you're writing something that's quite deeply historical, um, you have this world that is bordered and boundaried and 
you know where people's knowledge ended because you know that anything that happened after a certain date they don't know about mm -hmm. so you're cutting out centuries already of things you have to worry about <laughs> and you have this sort of circumscribed world mm -hmm. and once you're in that world once you've decided what your boundaries are and you've researched deeply into that once you're in there you can just run with it you don't mm -hmm. have to then worry about the ground shifting under your feet in the way that you do when you're writing something contemporary yeah uh, how did you handle? Because I think what I what I love about it is the the quite authentic way that people speak. So it, it's still kind of it's it's something that we can all kind of understand. But it's it's also not <laughs> romanticized. But it's like you know to to us it can it can often sound quite elegant or quite you know mm -hmm. um, beautiful. Do you, but obviously to them it was just the way they spoke. How did you get that kind of that language? It's it's an approximation and yeah. <laughs> well, it, it will be. It is nothing like the way they would have spoken it has mm. a very modern um yeah, syntax and very modern sensibility about it i think mm. and i didn't try to take that away because as i said before i am modern <laughs> many people would actually say i'm not very modern but i am <laughs> compared to them modern um i tried to just take a, f a fairly modern set of language rules but then add to that certain inflections and mm. a certain cadence and rhythm that isn't our own. Mm. So that it has a feeling, a, a sort of just a sense yeah. of not being now. And then there's some vocabulary thrown in from the time and some made up words. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. That's what <laughs> gives it um, character. But really, you know, I w I'm not true to the to the time yeah. and unknowingly not true to the mm. time there's so many things in there that they they wouldn't have said hopefully not sentiments that they wouldn't have mm. had but words or sort of syntactical things that they wouldn't have yeah. had but I just wanted to give it that sort of that whiff of yeah. something unmodern yeah I think that's that's a great kind of like balance I think mm. how about the characters because I think they're they're very you know they're all very um, recognisable in some ways mm. <laughs> and especially in such a small village did you base them on real life people or is that <laughs> <laughs> not worth your life to admit <laughs> I never do yeah in all, in all honesty mm -hmm. I never do base characters on real people yeah I love making characters up that's part of the yeah. joy of it they came they just came mm -hmm. I don't really struggle with characters they do land on the page and I kind of know who they are as soon as they present themselves and they come with a name and oh, wow. they they introduce themselves. It's not something I particularly struggle with. Mm -hmm. And Reeve, the, the priest, really came to me quite fully formed, which is which was great. And I could just run with it. And mm -hmm. I, I sort of knew his voice and his concerns. And the things that he was running from and the things that were troubling him, the things that he aspired to, they seemed to come as all part of a package. Mm. So it, there's, there was a, an element of fun to be had with this book. And I certainly wouldn't use the word fun for any of the books I've written before. Um, much as I love writing, and I really do, it's not it's really a fun process. Mm. There's, a, there's a boisterousness to... to the process of writing this book for me because I could take white stock characters which I've never really been able to do before mm. and pop them on the other side of the confession box and then have them play out their stories 
and play out their roles and there was something quite fun about that and then playing around with you know really really quite overtly and in an yeah. unsubtle way playing around with you know the names of the characters like Newman being the kind mm-hmm. of the new man yeah who knew <laughs> <laughs> and um and Reeve being the 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 idea was that his name came from the French for dream, Rev, mm. and being the sort of the person who's still mired in the dreams of yeah. of his own authority and power and dreams yeah. of a sort of chivalrous past. I, I love that kind of literal side to it, though, and it being so kind of honest in its, <laughs> in its naming convention while also being about lies and, <laughs> and deceit. Um, yes. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Sam. Well, thank you for having me. The Western Wind is out now. Um, Do let us know what you think about it if you read it. uh, And you might also get the itch um, while you're there to read another book that I am very much debating reading, The Time Traveller's Guide to Medieval England, which is another book we published a few years ago. I would be fascinated to see how those two cross over. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast. Have you ever read a book set in the 15th century? And which is your favourite period of history to have a book set in i'd be really fascinated to hear you can let us know at vintage books on twitter don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on if you enjoyed it and until next time